0: Welcome to the Behind the Lids podcast. My name is Mandy Adams, and I have the privilege of leading the Behind the Lids Healing Collective here in Costa Mesa, California. Our podcast is an opportunity to share the wisdom of facilitators who hold space and bring healing at our studio, as well as experts and influencers we believe you should know about. Before we join our conversation for today, we'd love for you to hear about an upcoming event at Behind the Lids.
1: We have some exciting news to share with you. Behind the Lids is now offering online classes and we just announced the first four taught by Mana Dabokar, psychic medium, life coach, and former therapist. If you're curious about communicating with animals, discovering and developing your eight clairs, your intuitive senses, overcoming self-doubt and unleashing inner confidence, or learning how to interpret your dreams, head on over to BehindTheLids.com slash online. That's BehindTheLids.com dot com slash online and learn more about our new online classes. Welcome to the Behind the Lids podcast. I'm your host, David Trotter, and today our guest is Barrett Perlman, a psychedelic guide, five-dimensional healer, and host of the Modern Hippie podcast. She utilizes techniques to help clients alchemize every aspect of their lives, including bodywork, energy healing, breath work, meditation, sound therapy, mindset coaching, and psychedelic therapies. In today's conversation, Barrett shares how she made the transition from professional wakeboarder to psychedelic guide and energy healer, how she was introduced to psychedelics herself, and how psychedelics can be used as a tool for healing and personal growth. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Barrett Perlman. Well, Barrett, thank you so much for taking time to hang with me today. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: I want to hear about the transition that you've made over the course of your life from professional wakeboarder, professional athlete to body worker and energy healer and psychedelic support supporter. Take
0: Mm -hmm. me
1: through some of that, that transition, that journey.
0: Oh boy. Uh, It's a wild ride when you really just kind of lay it out like that. Um, I feel like I've lived so many lifetimes and yeah, from, from 2005 to 2011, I was a professional wakeboarder and, um, kind of ranked top 10 in the world, any given contest. And as that came to an end, I moved to Los Angeles and, um, knew that would kind of be an end of my career. Cause like 2008, the economy crashed and my sponsors pulled all of my funding and so I was kind of getting back into like acting, which had been a passion of mine as a kid and um, moved to L.A. to sort of pursue more of that and got straight into stunt work. And then from there into producing TV shows and then eventually got tired of working so hard for other people, um, working like 60, 70 hours a week and like never making mm. overtime. And like uh, the people who work in the entertainment industry, their work life balance is just off. There right. is balance. It's just work. and. um, yeah, I had a really bad snowboard accident that was really fortuitous, I guess, because I couldn't work for like three months. Mm. Um, I was just in and out of the hospital and urgent care, um, not being able to breathe. It gave me asthma from how mm. hard I impacted my lungs. And as I came out of that, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to go back to working all those hours for someone else. And um, I had a background in body work from all my years of an, as an athlete. And my neighbor in my building happened to run a massage company. And he was like, I would put you to work for me. And I was like, you would. And he's like, well, show me what you got. And I showed him and he was like, this is fucking great. Like, this is more than most people need. Um, they'll put you to work tomorrow. And so I started working for his company and, um, very quickly really realized how passionate i was about helping people heal physically and from there i sort of got to embrace um getting my first reiki attunement and once i got the reiki attunement and the energy healing then it was something i started to offer my clients mm-hmm. and really discovered i was passionate about the two combined and on my own personal journey with psychedelics back in like um 2016 or 2017, uh, I had been really depressed and I was feeling really suicidal and I had these mushrooms and I thought, well, I'll, I'll take these mushrooms and see what happens. And I went and looked myself in the mirror. Like oftentimes they say, don't look yourself in the mirror, but I think it's one of the most beautiful things you can do for yourself on psychedelics. And I got a chance to relax my eyes and like look into my third eye and in doing so, got this massive download, uh, like another consciousness stepped in and walked me through how to love myself for the very first time in my entire life. Mm. And from there, I went, oh my God, there's something to these mushrooms. How have I not done mushrooms in the last 10 years? And I started doing mushrooms at home by myself. And in doing so, they started to unlock I started to see things in different perspectives and I started to release things from deep inside of me that weren't coming back, like Mm. sadness and anger and resentment and um, resentment even towards myself for my own behaviors as a 20 something. And I began to let those go and I began to forgive myself while in the plant medicine space. And I began to see that that stayed with me in, in the aftermath. And I could really integrate those lessons and um, also discovered more about physical release in my own body in the plant medicine space that was helping physical injuries um, and the trauma that got stored there from them. And so I began to work that in then to my practice as a massage therapist and energy healer to really deeply release um, the trauma that gets stuck in our muscles and ligaments and tendons, even emotional trauma. Um, and working that into my practice, so it was a interesting how life panned out. Like it all had to happen how it mm. did, right? In order for me to be a pro wakeboarder, understand the body, transition into a world of working on the body, and then the energy fields, and now combining it all together, especially with the plant medicines, for that full full release of really being able to restore the body back to balance and eliminating those blockages.
1: Mm. My goodness. Thank you for taking us through that winding journey there. Yeah. Um, I want to highlight just for a moment, just the unique transition out of being a professional athlete. Mm. Um, We hear about that, you know, in the media, um, but maybe so more so with like baseball, basketball, football, because those maybe tend to be, you know, front of mind for a lot of Americans. Um, But any professional athlete who's investing their full attention into something, Mm -hmm. It's got to be just a massive transition. Like how, was that part of what led you to feel depressed or was that after, or what was that transition like for you?
0: Oh, it was definitely riddled with years of identity crisis, Mm -hmm. um, which led to its own depression. You know, I think a lot of action sports athletes and athletes in general go through that when like the thing that you've dedicated every single life, every single day of your life to every single waking moment, like I was Obsessed with wakeboarding mm-hmm. and obsessed with action sports, and to then have to live a life where, like, no, I, I would have to explain to people what my sport was. And for wakeboarding, for the record, for anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> is like water skiing behind a boat on a snowboard like apparatus. <laughs> so, so we're all talking about the same thing. Um, but yeah, it was like I, I identified as a pro wakeboarder. I had a personality as a pro wake porter. I had respect. I had media attention. And then all of a sudden I'm like trying to be an actress in the biggest pool in the world for actors and stunt people and whatnot. And people are like, I'm sorry, you do what? What 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 movie were you on? And I'm like, not yet. None of them. Like <laughs> and so that it was hard. It was really mm-hmm. challenging to all of a suddenly walk into the room and You know, it sounds like such first world problems, but to say that like, I I was nobody again, it, it, maybe that's the best way to put it. Like I went from having an identity to now having none. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something a lot of people can relate to whether they were a college athlete or a high school athlete, or even just like a club sport athlete who all of a sudden can't do their sport anymore because of injury, um, or financial situation or hardships of any kind. Um, and it runs really deep, especially amongst the action sports athletes, because what's really re- unique to our sports is the adrenaline aspect. Mm. And so like I made a living, like putting my life on the line every day, every time you cut in for a trick, like knowing that if you fuck this up, it could be a hospital trip. Um, it's it's a little different than like playing. You don't go play basketball every day thinking that you might end up in the hospital if you like it right. wrong. <laughs> right, right, um, right, right. So, so that that was really hard to wrangle with as well. And took me a, a really long time to find anything that I thought I could fill that void with. I mean, I tried skydiving and I was like, meh, not that interesting. Um, it took swimming with sharks to be like, oh, okay, this. This this is fulfilled. But I only get to do that like once a year. And um ironically, now I'm I'm coming around to just this in the last year alone that um, I've really come out about working in psychedelics, I've uh, discovered this is the thing that I am obsessed with. Mm. I am equally as obsessed with psychedelics as I was about wakeboarding and action sports. And now I get to live every single day of my life having conversations about plant medicines, psychedelics, what they do for the world, how I've used them, how I can help people use them in an array of first time all the way through psychonauts and just I'm obsessed and get to wake up every single day living my passion again. So that's really nice.
1: Mm. I think about what you said about, you know, just the transition out of having a strong identity in one thing and then not having it. And I think obviously it's so clear in athletes, but even just the average person with the changes Mm -hmm. in our economy, people that are, let's just say in the mortgage industry for five, 10, 20 years. And then all of a sudden they're not right. Mm -hmm. Or they're in a certain corporation and then that corporation lets them go. Any of us can deal with massive identity loss or crisis, Mm -hmm. even if we're not an athlete, you know? Yeah. And um, then how do we, how do we navigate that? How do we negotiate that? So for you, you found helping people in terms of not only their bodies, energy, and now psychedelics, that's been a, a path for you, but it took a little while is what I'm hearing though, too.
0: Yeah. And, and one thing I'll interject there is, um, something that's really helpful for that transition is finding a mentor. And when I reflect back on sports, for instance, I had a coach my entire career, like leading up to becoming pro, all the way through pro, someone who taught me my tricks, someone who like pushed me hard. Um, and sometimes maybe that's even just your friends, right? But. Even in careers, like you, you tend to find that mentor who helps show you the ropes. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I know from shared experiences with other athletes too, that as they've transitioned into business, um, or anything else, like finding a mentor has been really helpful. And I think Mm -hmm. that that transcends all, all industries and all occupations.
1: So let's dive in here to psychedelics for a minute, because you said Mm -hmm. you had these mushrooms, you took them. You had the experience. You looked into your third eye. You had this download of like how to love yourself. Um, how do you love yourself? What did What did you learn in that moment?
0: Oh, that has been an ongoing journey for sure. I think one that never ends. Um, but in that moment, um, I had no idea how to love myself. And this conscious, I was sitting on the bathroom floor with my dog, and this consciousness came in and said love yourself. And I was like, I don't know how to love myself. And it said, okay, new deal. We're going to fill with the love you feel for your dog. Cause I'm sitting right there next to him. And so I'm like, okay, that I know how to do. And it was like, fill with it, fill with it, fill with it, fill with it till you're bursting, fill with it till you're crying. You love your dog so much. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm crying. I love my dog so much. Mm. And then it immediately dropped a mirror in between us. And that, that love that I felt Bounced off the mirror and reflected back onto me, and I all of a sudden felt embodied with that same level of just unconditional dying love for myself, and I, it brought me to tears. It it shook this deep depression that I was even on antidepressants for at the time, um, and I mean you couldn't bring me down for like two months after that. I was riding the mm-hmm. high of this complete pivotal shift of like oh, that's what it could feel like. That's what I could feel like if I love myself. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I think the journey became, how do I create that as a sustainable uh, mindset? And it started with um, an enoughness practice of doing the hard work of showing up in the mirror every day and locking eyes with myself and saying out loud, I am enough Mm. and holding the eye contact. And in the beginning, it's really uncomfortable because you don't believe it. And I'd cry and I'd cry and I'd be like, well, you know what they say? It takes like takes two weeks or something to like reprogram your brain. So you just gotta keep doing it. And um, so I would continue to show up in the mirror. And I noticed after about a week, I stopped crying and I could do it without crying. And I would just show up for, you know, two to five minutes a day. No mm-hmm. big deal. And um and then but kind of around the two week mark, I started to even smile when I said it and uh then i started to accompany it with like i am enough and i love myself mm. and it and it became became play in the mirror and then i realized after about a month of practice i believed it like i could show up in the mirror then and be like hey girl like i am enough yeah i am enough like i am mm. totally enough and uh you know i think that's something we're still constantly challenged with there's always curveballs that come at us and um yeah, so then moving on from the enoughness practice, uh, getting really a deep meditation practice as well, and um, I specifically do something called source energy meditation, and there's a, a part of that where um, we fill a, a like a diamond shaped prism with unconditional love that then sits in the higher throat chakra and envelops the whole body, mm-hmm. and so there's that moment where just like every single cell ticks into unconditional love. And adopting that as a regular practice really helped my frequency start to come up to love. Mm. Um, and then eventually a gratitude practice was really powerful. Um, I read the book, The Gratitude Diaries by uh, Janice Kaplan, highly recommended. I think it's one of the single most powerful books that I have ever read mm. um, and implemented that. And it, you know, it starts with just three things that you're grateful for in the last 24 hours. And she invites you to be really specific so you can embody it. And in the beginning, there were days where I was just like, I I got nothing. I'm grateful I have 10 fingers. I'm grateful Mm -hmm. I have 10 toes. I'm grateful I guess I'm not dead. And Mm -hmm. uh, eventually you get better at it. And then you realize like, oh, I'm grateful for this podcast interview. And I'm grateful that my dog wagged his tail to see me this morning. And you can like – you all of a sudden start to identify that there's all these little teeny tiny things to be grateful for. Mm. And now it's like my favorite practice. Like anytime I think about it, I'm like, Oh, what are three things I'm grateful for right now? Mm. And there's all these fantastic scientific benefits of a gratitude practice that we could dive into, but um, it's great for your health. It's like immunity boosting and it raises your frequency to the highest frequency we can vibrate at. And so yeah, I would say maybe those are three of the most impactful things I did to start really loving myself. Mm,
1: so good. I've been on a, a path the last um, year or so of really seeking to love myself. Mm. And um, it's interesting, um, part of my background that you may not know, I was a pastor for over 10 years. Oh, wow. And so I transitioned out of that about 15 years ago. And okay. so I've had some people, I just had a conversation with a guy who's um Kind of an online friend who also used to be a pastor and he was looking at some things that I've been doing and expressing about loving myself and manifesting and so forth and you know it was really concerned for me and <laughs> um, one of the things that he was concerned about was me loving myself um mm. and uh because in that world it's foreign to focus on loving yourself because God is love God is mm. Everything and that I am broken and I'm a sinner. And Mm. so I am right. I'm, I'm need to focus on the fact that I'm a sinner and that God is in everything. And so the idea of loving oneself becomes self centered, egotistical, narcissistic. Mm. Right. Um, and I'm trying to explain to him that no, 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 like if the divine is love and we're fully embraced by it, even in Christian theology, mm-hmm. um, in that theology, it would be that if you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you then are a saint in the eyes of God. You are, you, you are fully loved. And so I'm right. trying to explain to someone who's a former pastor, who's a Christian, that it's a good thing to love yourself, that it's not egotistical, you know? Right. And, um, and I'm realizing like, wow, maybe this is one of the reasons why I have a hard time loving myself is because I've had this programming, you know, in me
0: mm-hmm. at, for
1: such a, a long time. So I love hearing um, all the ways that you've, you know, sought to love yourself. Um, yeah. And it sure does seem like if we could help people love themselves and see our self-worth, our tremendous value, because if I can embrace that I have value, I have worth. Then when I see you, I go, oh my gosh, Barrett has tremendous value. Barrett has tremendous Mm -hmm. worth, which then directly impacts how I treat you. Mm -hmm. Right. So if we can, if we can increase how people will, how we see ourselves, our self worth, other self worth, uh, because I truly believe the reason why we have so many people treating each other so poorly, either online or in person, is because we don't see that they have value we don't see their true divinity we don't see that they are these loved incredible human beings we're somehow right. judging them to be less than right
0: yeah and i i would love to like replace that word value with something else um not quite sure what but like seeing other people as like being people you know um cuz i like are being worthy of love um cuz i think I like to show up and and I love everyone and everything around me, like from the the person checking me out at the grocery store to the random person who held the door open to the person who cut me off as I'm trying to get through the light. You know, I, (laughs) I actively like send love out to all those people. And I like to think like, what if you loved that person? How would you treat them? Mm -hmm. and, and like start from giving, I guess maybe we can use that word value, start from giving everyone value to me, not necessarily like that they hold a monetary or societal value, but that they hold value to me personally and how that would change our interactions in the world. If everyone was a friend before they were your enemy, even the person who cuts you off when you're driving, like, I'm like, Oh man, I love, I just, I'm sending that person so much love. They must really have needed that move, whatever they're going through. They needed it. I didn't Here's some love.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, the word value doesn't have any context to a financial system. It's the fact that they have worth. They have, Mm -hmm. they're valuable. They're able to be Mm -hmm. valued. I can, Mm -hmm. I can see that this person is tremendous worth, not in a financial system, but in the fact that they have so much to uh, bring to this world, you Mm -hmm. know, all of their gifts and talents and beauty Mm -hmm. and, and connection and, um, and they have a unique story and that's one of the reasons why we don't value people is because we don't value their story because Mm. their story is different than ours right Right. they have a different ethnic background or sexual preference or uh, economic status or education or whatever it is and oh my goodness yeah i love that so i'm hearing you say that now psychedelics has allowed you and your clients to really release some of these, all these things, these traumas that are stuck in our in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to suggest a certain psychedelic to someone to kind of get started, if they were just kind of mm-hmm. dabbling and going, hey, I okay, maybe I've taken some mushrooms in high school or college because I was just having a good time. How would you suggest someone get started on this journey?
0: Um, To preface, I am not a doctor and anyone should consult with a doctor before uh, embarking on plant medicines. If you need one, Spirit Pharmacist is available, spiritpharmacist.com. He's wonderful. That being said, um, I think there's a different tool for each situation. Um, for instance, if you happen to be on anti, if someone happens to be on antidepressants and, uh, different medications, um, ketamine is a really great option because you actually don't necessarily need to get off most prescription medications in order to partake in ketamine therapy. And it's very quick and immediate. Um, and it, it has, it's a disassociative, but what it has is sort of like breaks the cycle of the, um, the looping problems that you're going through. Uh, I personally experienced it. I would say ketamine saved my life in 2020. Um, the year I discovered it, it became this really valuable tool for me to discover how to break those feedback loops that we get in Mm. of, um, they're, they're just obsessive, you know, and to like break it and have that space and go, Oh shit okay, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Again, I don't think I need to hop back on that train. That's going nowhere. Now I, Mm. I see that moving forwards is a possibility. Um, I personally am a, a huge fan of psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, that's my, my favorite medicine, the most beautiful medicine. I think it's a very gentle medicine, um, and tends to have a lot of beautiful visuals that come with it. So I'm usually steering towards people towards, uh, psilocybin mushrooms and, um, They really allow you to bring your barriers down and open your heart. And from that perspective, if you're doing it in a therapeutic context, sort of re-examine your traumas and re-examine your issues and get the opportunity to look at something through a different lens that you may not have considered before and to have that lens feel like the most acceptable new programming for your brain Um, and and to walk away usually being able to hang on to that idea. Um, I know a lot of people, especially smokers will get this epiphany on mushrooms that they need to be better to their body. And that immediately means cutting out smoking. And I can name at least like three people in the last month who told me they stopped smoking because of their first mushroom.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah,
0: Super powerful. Um, and then another great thing I think is MDMA, um, really fantastic for PTSD and, um, especially if there's like a massively traumatic situation that someone wants to examine, uh, with the supervision of a therapist. Um, it's really a beautiful kind of does the same thing, like lowers your barriers, opens your heart and allows for revisiting the traumas without re-experiencing the traumas Mm. and then, um, kind of sealing that door back open in a, in a healed place. So those would be my three medicines I would really steer everyone towards, but I'm also going through an ayahuasca phase right now, and I'm just a super big fan of it as a medicine.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you've been to Peru several times for uh, ayahuasca retreats. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I've been twice in the last um, three or four months now uh, to to sit with Hamilton Souther, Blue Morpho, ayahuasca, and um, he's become a mentor of mine. And so I'm, I'm studying mm-hmm. under him and bringing back things from my practice as a facilitator and yeah, it, the ceremonies are fantastic and the the healing that's happening down there is just really beautiful.
1: And so how would you describe for people most people have heard of ayahuasca, but how how would you describe that experience as being different than say psilocybin?
0: Mm, ayahuasca is a bit more intense. Um but she's a very beautifully intelligent plant medicine. I mean the mushrooms are Incredibly intelligent as well, but um, Mother Ayahuasca, she, she feels like the queen to me. You know, they they call her the grandmother, and she does come with all this wisdom. Um, but when you intake it, it's a mixture of a tea between two two different plants. Um, depending on the region where you go, it could be in Peru where I go, it's the Banisteriopsis vine as well as chacruna, and so it essentially mixes a MAO inhibitor with a, another vine containing DMT. And so those things combine in the body to, uh, heal and to release your blockages. And because it's a plant medicine, it's very intelligent in how it works. And so normally your first time taking it, um, the plant medicine really gets in there and and addresses your physical ailments. And that can involve a lot of purging and purging comes in the form of vomiting. It comes in the form of pooping, burping, laughing, crying, um, all of it movement. Did I say that? Um, so really, you know, common things that people hear about ayahuasca journeys is the purge, right? Right. The vomiting, the purge. Um, I have done all of the kinds of purging. So no one's ever exempt, no matter how much healing you've done and every time is different, but, um, yeah, something with ayahuasca, there's like this clear consciousness then that comes in during your purge. So like, you know, exactly when you're vomiting, what it is that you're releasing really it could be like oh my gosh i'm releasing that abuse i had as a child or oh i'm releasing all the alcohol i drank in my entire life or mm-hmm. i'm releasing um this the sadness i felt over the death of a parent um and so really beautiful um of observations happen and, and healing journeys. And she just opens you back up to being more in flow. And I think the more that you sit with her, the, the deeper the healing gets, like, you know, we can do a lot of the, the deep healing, but the healing's never done. And we keep getting re-traumatized all over the place. So mm. yeah.
1: one of the things that I find that's interesting, as I look at your website and hear you talk on your podcast, the modern hippie podcast, which we'll link to in our show notes, mm-hmm. um, is that, you are pretty open about your psychedelic support mm. and, um, number one, what do you offer to people who are interested in, in pursuing healing and transformation in this way? And then why are you able to be so open about it?
0: Uh, I'll start with the second question about why I'm able to, uh, I don't necessarily know that I, I like legally am. I have like lawyered up recently. Um, shout out to Clark Howell attorneys in California. They specialize in psychedelics law. So I've, I've sort of been running through them to assess what I'm doing and where, what on the spectrum of legal versus illegal, what what falls where and how 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 much do I want to care. Um, but I sort of took a look at a lot of the other leaders in the space and looked at like Dennis McKenna and Jim Fadiman. And these are like, the, the ancient not – they're not ancient, I don't mean that in a, a negative way at all, but they're like the godfathers of psychedelics and and Joe Rogan even, you know, always talking about using it and and um, what it's done for them. And I went, there's no way they can like arrest all these people. Like there's no right. way. And um, I remember when marijuana became legal, I didn't – I was so nervous to ever post about smoking weed. And I moved to California and then I, w- it was like medically legal here back when I moved to like 12 years ago. And I was like, still so nervous about posting about smoking weed. And I, I took a step back this time with psychedelics and went, I'm, I'm not going to live my life in fear. Mm. And I see other people talking about these things and, and psychedelics had such a massive impact on my life. I'm literally a different person now than I was. Mm. I think everyone's a different person now than they were five years ago, but like, I've revolutionized who I am mm-hmm. and how I show up in the world and um, the depth at which I know myself now and have integrated all the parts of me because mm-hmm. of psychedelics. And mm-hmm. like, if, if what I have to say, helps someone, I'm here for it. And mm-hmm. I think waiting for the FDA to approve it is too late for many people. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to show up and, and be able to help in that capacity now. Mm-hmm. Um You know, certainly there are things that I I do and say that I offer, like I'm about to, that my lawyer would be like, don't say that, but we're going to say it anyways. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, So the ways in which people can work with me, I facilitate psilocybin ceremonies Um, right now, pretty much in private, though I'm gearing up to offer some retreats by next year, Um, as well as I help uh, with integration at the Blue Morpho Ayahuasca retreats that I go to down in Peru. Okay. Um, I also offer psychedelic support around integration, around preparing how you take your own mushrooms, um, around, yeah, I offer large containers also around microdosing and, um, bigger transformational containers, especially if someone wants to get more serious about how regularly they take plant medicines, I can help guide them through what regular use looks like and, mm. um, making sure that they're integrating in between and, um, yeah, it's just a, a really beautiful practice of helping people work with the medicines in the way that they desire to, and um, all the way from before to after. So, helping with the set, setting, and the support.
1: Love that. I love that. I've had um, several experiences myself last mm-hmm. year, Ooh, and um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was really out there. You know, I had never done any um, drugs at all you know, oh. quote unquote drugs. You're right. And I know this is not called a drug, it's a medicine, but, uh, I just had no experience, not even with weed, uh, never smoked cigarettes, nothing. Mm. And, um, even when I told my, um, kids who were, you know, they're in their twenties, they're like, you're going to do what, you know? And, yeah. uh, I go up to LA. One of my clients had introduced me to someone who was doing a group ceremony and did an overnight, you know, experience. And, I've done it several times since then, um, but it is really just transformative. It really mm. is eye opening. It's so powerful. And What did you
0: sit with first? What medicine? Uh,
1: psilocybin. It's a okay. it's this uh, particular um, individual who served. It's a it's a chocolate that has a combination. I was told of psilocybin and ayahuasca in the chocolate, um, and so. Uh, Yeah. And there was no purging because it was, I don't think it was like straight ayahuasca, but, um, anyway, yeah, I've had several of these experiences with psilocybin and, um, the most recent one was actually not with a guide, but with a couple of friends that Mm -hmm. was very intentional and, um, yeah, just, you know, uh, seeing myself as a little child, you know, just all mm-hmm. sorts of visuals. I've had all sorts of amazing experiences. Um, mm-hmm. My great grandfather appearing to me in the first experience that I had, my great grandfather mm-hmm. appeared to me. I had this, um I grew up in Kentucky, but my great grandfather um had a property in Alabama where they lived and it was a gas station back in the day. And then it turned into a lawnmower shop. And in the back of it, there was this mini bike from like the seventies, like this little bike, that like a, you know, gas powered, you know, motorcycle kind of thing that you'd sit on as a little kid. And I always wanted it as a kid. I just wanted that thing. It looked so cool. And I remember at one point, either my um, dad or grandfather or somebody had said, well, maybe one day, you know, that could be yours. And I'd always think I want that thing. I want that thing. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't the kid who would ask for it. I wasn't the kid who would be like, Hey, can I have that? It just wasn't, you know, it didn't feel appropriate. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one time then when we showed up, I went down there, It was gone. And I never asked what happened to it, but I felt my heart drop like, ugh, mm. I never got that thing. Mm. And what's so weird, Barrett, is my grandfather shows up in my first experience, great grandfather, and he's been passed away many, many years ago. And he just said, David, you can have the mini bike. You can oh. have the mini bike. You don't need anyone's permission to have the mini bike you can have the mini bike anytime you want it. Right. And for me, it was, it was uh, symbolic of, I could have whatever I want. Like if I want right. something, I can reach out and, and, and take hold of it. Mm. And, um, what the heck Barrett? This is <laughs> weird. Right. What a weird story. I never thought I've been thinking about that mini bike for years. and All of a sudden my great grandfather shows up and says, I can have the yeah. mini bike, you know, I don't want to make medicines
0: are beautifully mysterious that way, you know, you get in that other space, especially, um, psilocybin and ayahuasca, or, by the time they break down and psilocybin breaks into psilocin, and then you've got the DMT molecule from ayahuasca. They're, they're very, their molecular makeup is almost identical except for one little molecule. Hmm. And so to me, they're kind of like brother and sister Mm -hmm. and they, they really transport you into this, like multi-dimensional realm where like the fourth dimension, fifth dimension, sometimes sixth and seventh will open up to you. And that's like really where the energies of your ancestors are as well as um, healing energies and spirits and things. But so I, I'm not surprised to hear that your grandfather came to you with this like really life altering message of yeah. you can anything you want at any time. It's like, that is a, a common thread of things that happen in the plant medicine space. And, how beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was really amazing. Yeah. Really amazing. My goodness. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't really shared that with my, um, you know, parents who probably are really not really into that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> <aren't either. laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. As you started experiencing some of these things. Yeah. What did your family or friends start to say about all of this to you?
0: Well, for starters, my friends were like, you're taking mushrooms by yourself what are you doing like you're going to go you could have a bad trip and for i would like to reframe the bad trip for people i i don't believe in in bad trips anymore and the the term in the industry has changed to challenging trip um because what happens is you have this really challenging trip with these these deep moments that you don't want to lean into and you don't want to explore and they can be sad or they can be angry they can bring up trauma and in plant medicines if you try to not go towards everything that's presented Mm -hmm. to you. Now, all of a sudden you're resisting the journey and things get really hard and challenging. And you can, I mean, I've sat in some really challenging trips before and like, I'm well-equipped to do so, you know, but it's like, oh my God, my body, like I just, nothing feels right in my body. Nothing feels right in my brain, like make it stop and, and make it stop. Isn't the right mentality. So um, but some of the most powerful lessons I've had have been from my most challenging trips. Mm. Um, You know, not too long ago, I did a, my second Bufo ceremony, which is a toad venom. And I was so hyped off the first one that on the second one, I was like, I want a bigger dose. And I went into it wanting to explain to the world what it was like now that I knew what I was expecting. And in, in that thought process, as I took the dose, I was just trying to like, you can't take – UFO and hang on to reality. Like there's mm. the two don't go hand in hand. And as I tried to hang on to reality, I had a really struggling time and mm. I actually whited out the entire experience. Mm. Um, and a whiteout is a, a different term than a blackout. So it's like you went in the medicine space and you don't remember any of it. Just mm. purely doesn't exist in your memory banks. And I came out of it and then I went into another one and, and I same thing and I came out of it. I was like, no, like, I've been waiting for this day and all I did was not surrender.
1: Mm. And it became
0: this really powerful lesson about surrender for me, Um, how I wasn't surrendering in the plant medicine space. And that always needed to be the number one priority over how to tell people about this experience afterwards so that I can Mm -hmm. share it on my YouTube channel or I can um, Mm -hmm. try to bring people to this experience to help their path and i was like god that was that was dumb because do the work on yourself first explain it mm. to people later mm. um but it it became this beautiful throughway of um surrendering on this big trip to peru that i had planned to always surrendering in ceremonies to Having um, different plant medicine come to me and, and tell me to surrender on my journey of the psychedelics and plant medicines, and that it will support me. I'm like, what the fuck is this word surrender? <laughs> and so it, it it has become one of the, that super challenging journey for me. Became one of the most powerful lessons. That gosh, it must be five months later now. I'm still integrating and watching mm-hmm. how it's just this powerful throughway and everything. So, so yeah, my friends warned me about the challenging trips. Um, my mom, I told her about that, that initial like spiritual awakening moment and she went, Oh my God, you're going to die. Um, (laughs) what are you doing? And I was on, I was on a lot of antidepressants at the time too. So even when I told my therapist, he was like, Oh my God, serotonin syndrome. Like, what were you thinking? You should have run it by me first, like primo candidate for having gotten serotonin syndrome, Mm -hmm. um, which is where your body then stops producing serotonin because of the influx of serotonin that happens in your brain. Um so yeah they, they were everyone was very freaked out for me I was okay um wouldn't recommend it if you're on antidepressants to take a bunch of mushrooms um and yeah people just didn't understand and so I kind of just quieted down about it and mm. um kept doing it by myself and I I wasn't doing internet research or anything I didn't know that the scientists were having phenomenal results with exactly this kind of stuff in the 60s Um, And then I started seeing the news coming out in like uh, 2019 or so about like the FDA giving fast track status to psilocybin and all these like wonderful benefits people were saying. I was like, wait a second. Hey guys, do you remember I was telling you that I was doing this in my bedroom by myself and like, look, they're using it for therapeutic settings. And like, people were like, oh, really? And Um, so now my family is a little more open-minded, you know, how it's, it's hard not to be when it's like all of these important articles and research are coming out about the impacts it's having, especially on something that Democrats and Republicans can seem to agree on, which is veterans Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, uh, Oregon just legalized f- starting for this year. Colorado voted and approved to legalize, so that's upcoming. California has a bill right now that um, wouldn't even be voted on; it would just go through. I think the Senate and the Congress and get voted on, or the Senate and the. I don't, I'm not really a politics person, but uh, would get voted on from within the government um, to be to change how we use plant medicines in California, and it's happening all over the country. So. It's, um, initially, yeah, everyone was like, what are you doing? You know, are you a drug addict? And I was like, no, I'm not a drug addict. Like, <laughs> I, just, I don't know what's happening, but I'm becoming a better person and I'm becoming a person I'm more in love with. And I'm showing up how I want to show up now in my life because of these medicines. And that is well worth shouting from the mountaintops because I know how low I was. Mm -hmm. And, um, if I can help anyone by, by shouting my story, then I'm here for it.
1: I love that. All right. b a r r e t t p e r l m a n B-A-R-R-E-T-T-P-E-R-L-M-A-N.com. You can find the link to Barrett's website in our show notes, the modern hippie podcast and Barrett Pearlman on Instagram. Barrett, thank you for sharing your story, your wisdom, your experiences. Really appreciate you joining us today.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for running such a beautiful place of solace for so many of us in this region of the world and and sharing your wisdoms and practices. I I greatly appreciate and honor your journey for that. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today, and we invite you to share this episode with someone who would enjoy it as well. Take a screenshot, text it to them, and tell them to check out BehindTheLidsPodcast.com. Also, we encourage you to rate and review the show on the podcast platform where you are listening. We'll see you next time, Behind the Lids.